This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. All right, Exodus 20, starting in verses 5 and 6. Um, that's where we'll be first, and we'll end up going Old Testament and New Testament because our topic tonight, generational curses, has uh, it, it's all throughout the Bible. <coughs> it's all throughout the Bible. So the question that I had already wrote down, Miss Denise, generational curses are they real? This is what I went into uh, trying to find in, in the Word of God. Are they real? And if so. Are they real in today's world? Are they, are they real in today's world? Okay. I had my own bias, just like everybody else does. I have what I've been taught. I have what I've read, what I know to be, to be what I believe. Uh, and then there's what the Bible says, right? Everything that we believe, we need to back up with the Word of God, Amen. right? And if we find at any time that our belief isn't backed by the Word of God, we need to change our belief, yep. okay? So uh, this is a secondary thing, like I said uh, before before we started recording. Um, uh, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree. All I'm trying to do tonight is present biblical proof for what the Bible says, and uh, we, we can talk about that. It's not going to be any whirlwind of information or, or anything like that. We're not going to be slapped in the face and go, nah, we don't know anything. Uh, the Bible has the answers to everything. Topic is generational curses. So here we go. Uh, the Bible speaks of curses following individuals, uh, even affecting their family. We can't get around that. Uh, we simply can't dismiss this fact, and we certainly will not tonight. Uh, I believe the Word of God, as we do, to be true in everything and that it holds the answer to any question that we have. So ask questions within yourself. In your prayer life, ask questions. Lord, what I believe, is it right? Whatever, fill in the blank, right? <coughs> what I believe about this, is it right? Show me in your Word because He will. The ministry of the Holy Ghost is to point you to Christ in salvation. Once salvation has come, the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to do what? Does anybody know? Lead us and direct us into what? All righteousness and truth. It wasn't the Spirit. Yeah, it's our Spirit. So it's great stuff. So the text to examine. Here we go. Exodus 20. If y'all have done a little bit of reading, you, un you know that this is the presentation of the Ten Commandments. Okay, this is where we are, Exodus 20. Uh, but let's read uh, verses 5 and 6. It says, You shall not worship them or serve them. Matter of fact, let's go ahead. Let's start in verse 4. I'm sorry. Uh, the fourth commandment. Okay? You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Then verse 5. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, this is our text here. The Lord your God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love and kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's go now to Exodus 34. <clears throat> we're going to read all of our text and then we're going to talk about it. Okay? <coughs> Because the thing that we need to remember when we are when we are looking in the Bible for answers to questions, when we're studying the Bible, we should never, not that one verse isn't more true or less true than any other verse, but we should never just go to one verse, right? We shouldn't be looking at generational curses and just go to Exodus 20 because Exodus 20 talks about that and then formulate a belief on that one verse. The Bible has a lot to say, right? And it backs itself up. So the more continuitous, that's a big word, the more that the Bible backs itself up on a topic, the more and more me as a human can go, okay, this is biblical truth. 
if the Bible says this and it continues to say this, then that's what I need to believe. Does, does that make does that make sense? That, and that's on that's on anything. It's called hermeneutics, and a short definition of that is discerning the Bible by using the Bible. Right? The Bible backs itself up. Okay. <clears throat> so Exodus 34, verses six and seven. Here's another time where we the Bible talks about generational curses. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the children or the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So Exodus 20, we have the presentation of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 34, we we know this. Moses said, let me see your glory, right? And God is passing by Moses, and this is his declaration. Excuse me. Turn with me to Leviticus now. Leviticus 26. <coughs> Leviticus 26 and 34. Another time that the Bible speaks of. 39. 20, chapter 26, verse 39. Chapter 26, verse 39. Another time when the Bible speaks of generational curses. Now notice that this isn't different. This is different passages, but these are the same words, right? When God speaks on topics, he has his mind made up. So this is different times in the Bible when God speaks directly to men and says the, the same thing, the same thing. That's one way of discernment in your personal life. Uh, we leave teaching and go into pastoral here. Uh, when you are praying on things, Praying for answers, and you keep getting the same answer, right? Even if you don't like that answer, and then you go back to God and you pray, <clears throat> Lord, if it's your will, let this, 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 and happen. And then the answer is the same. He's not change. He's not going to change his answer. You've prayed for an answer. God has graciously given you an answer. He's not going to change his answer, right? That's God's. That's God's decision. That's God's plan. So whatever that is. You know, Lord, is it is it your will for me to be a preacher? And that answer is no. Okay? Well, I just don't I don't get to be a preacher. He has me to do something else, right? So that's just a little bit of pastoral advice there from somebody who has fought the Lord on certain things. He typically doesn't change his answer, right? And if you keep praying and the answer changes, you probably are looking at yourself and not God. Right? If you say, hey, I really want to be a preacher, and for whatever reason your heart ain't right, right? you want to be a preacher because they make a lot of money, or whatever, whatever it is, right? And then the answer is no. But then you pray again, and all of a sudden the answer is yes, probably not listening to the right spirit, right? You're not listening to the right one. So Leviticus 26 and 39. So... Those of you who may be left will rot away because of your iniquity in the lands of your enemies and also because of the iniquities of your forefathers. They will rot away with them. So again, this is judgment now. You get the declaration of the Ten Commandments. You get God's declaration to, the, to Moses of who he is. He's gracious. He didn't start with the bad. He started with the good, which is generally the opposite on this side of the cross, right? We have to be told the bad to know the good because we're on this side. God is gracious. God <coughs> is going to save. But the iniquity of those who reject that salvation, it's their iniquity. They're going to be judged by that, right? So here we have again in Leviticus, they've done messed up. Like that, like that you done messed up now, Aaron. Literally. Aaron's going to die because of of this right here and God's telling them judgment because of your iniquities because of the iniquities of your forefathers you are now being judged sounds like a generational curse to me right so let's look now into Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 24 and 16 <clears throat> 
Exodus 20, Exodus 34, Leviticus 26 seems to to point us into a direction that generational curses are real. Right? Can we can we agree on that? Just reading those three passages, we're seem we seem to be building a case to generational curses. It's what it sounds like to me. Uh, but the Bible has more to say, has plenty to say. So Deuteronomy 24 and 16 says this, Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. Okay? Second Kings 14. We're front-loading a lot of information, and then we're, we're going to talk about it, right? Second <clears throat> Kings 14 and 6. All right, reads like this. But the sons of the slayers he did not put to death according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses. So in Deuteronomy, and Leviticus talks about this too, but in Deuteronomy, Moses says, you're going to be put to death for your own sin. Okay, That was a commandment. That was a declaration. That was law written down that you're not going to be put to death for the sins of your wicked father. The father isn't going to be put to death because their son is wicked. If the father's wicked, he deserves death. If the son is wicked, he deserves death. They're going to be put to sin for their own, their own, or put to death for their own sin. Second Kings, we have an adherence to that law. Okay, so now they have a situation where they had to go to the law and say, "What does the law say about this?" Okay, so, but the sons of the slayers did not, uh, did not. Put to death according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses as the Lord commanded, saying, same thing as Deuteronomy, the father shall not be put to death for the sons, nor the sons be put to death for the fathers, but each shall be put to death for his own sin. Okay, his own sin. Now turn with me one more time to Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18, backing up what 2 Kings said, 18 and 20, says the people who sin will die. Then there's a period. That's pretty cut and dry right there, right? The person who sins will die, period. Okay? The son will not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment of the son's iniquity, the righteousness of the righteous will be put upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be put upon himself. Thank God. Right? Thank God. So, two clusters of text. Various passages. Both true. Both inspired by God. And both infallible. Now we kind of come to an to an impasse, right? It almost looks like we're in a contradiction. Parts of the Bible says there's generational curses. Other parts of the Bible says you're guilty of your own sin and, and what happens before or after you, you're not guilty of. So, here is a brief synopsis of what I found. I have four things that, that I've come out of this. Um, first thing is that no innocent child is punished. Okay? No innocent child is punished. The, the first thing we see in Exodus 20, uh, you can follow along in your, in your handouts. Uh, the sins of the fathers are punished in the children through becoming the children's own sin. Okay, It's not because my father was sinful that now God is punishing me because of my father's sin. What we are soon about to see is that though it can span generations, how we raise our kids matters. Okay, This is what I have found to be. Can we, with 100% assurity, say generational curses are real? I'm going to say yes. Can we also say that 100% assurity, generational curses do not have to be a thing? Also yes. Also yes. We have a responsibility as, 
parents to raise their kids in the right way, regardless of our background, regardless of how we was raised. The truths of this Bible does not change because I had a bad upbringing. They're still the truths, right? And we're going to see that, and we're going to see how that all works out. So the first thing is that a child isn't punished cruelly because of their father's sin. But what we do see that is really important is that the father's sins, if not dealt with, end up becoming the, some of the same sins of the child because the child is reared in the way they should not go versus what the Bible says brought up in the way they should go. Okay. So you're saying that they say, okay, grow up thinking it's okay to do that sin because they were taught. No That's what they're taught. And until they are either brought to the truths of the Bible, what else do they know to do? Right? What else do they know to do? So, <clears throat> Exodus 20 and 5 says that exactly. It says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. If that was the period, if it stopped right there, we would have to say that generational curses are a thing and move on. But the rest of it says, of those who hate me. Of those who hate me. Okay? In other words, the hatred of God is the embodiment of the father's problem in the first place. The father hates God. He sins against God. He lives an unrepentant life. And he raises kids who look at him and go the way of their father because they haven't had a chance to do anything else. Okay? Now we're still in Old Testament. We're in Old Testament times. You have to look at what where we are. The law has been given. They are told, hey, you follow me. I will be your God. You will be my people. If you don't follow me, you're going to die. I mean, that's, that's pretty much cut and dry. And although that should scare the pants off of people, over and over and over and over and over again, the people of Israel rejected God. Right? They rejected God. They turned to idols. They did what was not pleasing in God's sight. So judgment came. And unfortunately, what you see is the sins of the fathers who started idol worship, who started leaving them in the way they shouldn't go, ended up being the children's problem to deal with. The sins of the fathers that started all this mess was the children's problem when they were brought into exile or when judgment was come to them. Because they were doing the same thing. It wasn't that the father was an idol worshiper, the child worshiped God, but now they're going to get punishment because your father was an idol worshiper. It was that the father was an idol worshiper, the child was an idol worshiper, and sin befell them too, right? So that was the first thing I seen. We, we're not told how the father's sin became the children's sin, but we can see that in, in today. Uh, I thought about, I'm in a unique position. Some, some people are in a unique position like this too of raising a child through adoption, okay? Me and Tab are not the biological birth parents of Richard Paul, okay? So I th really think about this. Is Richard Paul to be punished for the sins of his biological mother and father that he doesn't even know? The Bible says no. No. Does Richard Paul live like his father and his mother? Not his biological father and mother? Well, I don't know. He lives like we do because he sees how we live. That is a truth of the Bible, that your environment very much has a lot to do with your rearing. You have anything? He's been grafted in just like we've been grafted in. He's Christ. been grafted in. That's it. And that's what we're going to see because we're living on this side of the cross, the New Testament. Things are, things are different for us, yeah. but yet they're the same. But that really started my mind to, to, to be thinking about this generational curse. Is there something in, in Richard Paul's past that I should worry about? The Bible says no, absolutely not. Raising the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Right? That's the truth of the Bible. Are there things in Richard's genealogy that may show up? Yeah, they could. Raise him in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. Right? It doesn't change how... How I raised Richard Paul is where he come from. 
same thing we see with these generational curses. The problem was it followed generations because they continued to sin. They continued to sin. The very second they turned from their wicked ways, they humbled themselves and came to the Lord, the curse was over. Right? I'm your God. You're my people. Covenant, covenant is unbroken. So uh, be encouraged. <laughs> and we'll get into that in point three. That um, in the event that your family member or your kid utterly rejects Christ, that's, that's his problem or her problem. It's not because of something you did in their past. That is, God is now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do. They're going to be punished because they didn't eat cereal at the right time or just whatever, right? It's a decision, like Miss Eddie was saying before, before all this. God gives us will. He gives us will, and we choose to serve him. He said that he doesn't accept any other sacrifice other than a willing sacrifice, Right? If, if we do this thing out of the wrong wrongness of heart, we're wrong. We can serve God our whole life. And if we have done it within ourselves, hell awaits. Judgment comes. That generational curse from the first man, like Brother Ethan was talking about, still applies to me. Still applies to me. But if I humble myself and I come to him and I believe in the Son by the working of the Holy Ghost, which has given me the ability to do that, curse broken. Curse broken, right? So uh, it's not that we're told how the father's sins become the children's sins, but we can we can connect some spiritual dots and, and see that. Uh, what we are told is that when the father's sins are visited on the children, it's because the children have become sinners just like their fathers. Okay, so that's what we're saying. The father's sins are the children's sins. In that in that sense, mm-hmm. my father was an idolater. I know the law, but I choose to do what my father done. His sin becomes my sin, right? Same way we see now this side of the cross. I see Brother Ethan doing something horrible, and I choose to either let that slide, don't approach him, or worse, join in with him. His sin becomes my sin because I knew to do right and I didn't, right? His sin is now my sin. Is that Ethan's fault? No, I chose to. I chose to do that, but his sin is now my sin. Okay. Second thing I seen. So first thing is no innocent child is punished. Thank God. Second thing I seen is there's forgiveness for everybody, for all. Doesn't matter. Second thing is this: because of God's grace, which is of course finally secured for us in Jesus on the cross. Right? Remember the Old Testament is looking to Christ. We look back to Christ. Uh, the children can confess their sins and the sins of their fathers and be forgiven and accepted by God. That is the promise that is throughout all of the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. That if we confess our faults and we come before him with a humbleness of heart and we repent, that is turn from our wicked ways. He will be our God and we will be his people. Curse broken. Curse broken. So nobody is trapped from the sins of their father. Are we guilty of sin? Yes. But we're not trapped in it. Uh, We're not trapped because our fathers have sinned. We're not even trapped because we have sinned. God has given us a way out. He's given us a way out. Uh, and we already see this. this. This isn't even a New Testament doctrine. We already see this in the Old Testament. Look with me at Leviticus 26, 40 and 42. 40-42. Remember, let's go ahead and read. i got to look back. Let's read again Leviticus 26 and 39. So those of you who may be left will rot away because of their iniquity in the lands of your enemies and also because of the iniquity of their forefathers, they will rot away with them. That's pretty rough. Verse 40. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their forefathers 
in their unfaithfulness which they committed against me, and also in their acting with hostility against me. Verse 41, I also was acting with hostility against them. Why? Because they're guilty. God's just. Nothing goes unpunished. <coughs> to bring them to the land of their enemies, or if their uncircumcised hearts become humble, if their uncircumcised hearts become humble, so that they then make amends of their iniquity. Verse 42, Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. Curse broken. Right? And I will remember also my covenant with Isaac. Curse broken. And my covenant with Abraham as well. Curse broken. And I will remember the land. We're not trapped in this. Just because I... Just because I may be the only one saved in my family, right? Or I may be the only one that, let's look at it like this, because the other side of salvation, of course, curse is broken. Let's say I'm, un, I'm unsaved, but God is drawing, and, I, and I'm, I'm being drawn into this word, and I, I don't know anything about it because I, I may never even looked at the Bible because it just wasn't important in my household, right? I may be looking for a church to go to, and I have no idea because it just wasn't important in my household. You know, my grandparents didn't go to church. My daddy didn't go to church. My mama ain't went to church. But, but I'm being drawn to this. I'm seeking it. And, and all of this, just because I didn't come out of a church family, salvation is still unto me. Right? The curse of my family can be broken. I can be the first in my family of salvation and the Bible says not only that, but the blessings of a believer is this, that we can sanctify our family. We can now be a witness to our family. Curse broken. Curse broken. Right? Yeah, thank God. That's right. So nobody in the Old Testament or the New Testament is trapped or enslaved. There is a way out. There's always been a way out. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always made a way out. Uh, we're not in bondage or under an unbreakable curse because something that our fathers or our forefathers have done. Uh, and we see that, look at 1 Peter 3 and 18. So now we're going to start to bleed New Testament, Old Testament because we're, we're in both Testaments now. It said, for Christ also died for sin once for all. The just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to who? God. Curse broken. Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Thank God. Thank God. The precious words we find in Exodus 34, 6, and 7. You say precious words, but they are. They're, they're words of our Father. They're, they are God-breathed words. Even the curses. They're from our Father. He's just. He's just. Think of whalers and gnashers in hell. There's people who wake up day in and day out, and they're either angry at God for all of eternity, or they are forever weeping in front of Him because they know they lived a sinful life because they have every memory that they've ever had ever. And they had every chance to turn to Him. They chose not to, and they know God is just. And what they are receiving is a just reward. Think on that next time you read that verse. God gives us a just reward. What's your reward going to be? Well, it's, it's dictated by how you've lived your life. Right? It's dictated by who your Lord is. There's a just reward that awaits every single person that ever lives ever. That's different for different people. Some, it's, a, it's an eternal reward to be ever before God in His glory and in His grace, and in His mercy. Others, for a lot, the Bible says, few there be that find the way. Many called, few chosen. Many of them are forever before their Lord in wrath. Just reward either way. Just reward either way. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says this. It says, The Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy and graciousness, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, 
And then, as if to make sure the point comes across, uh, he gives three words. Three words. Iniquity, transgression, and sin. And before those three words is forgiveness. Forgiving iniquity. Forgiving transgression. Forgiving sin. Curse broken. Curse broken. You can't, you can't get any clearer than that. That's in the middle of the Mosaic Law. The law that's supposed to bring us into condemnation, the law that's supposed to show us our sin, is the same law that shows us the way out. Follow his commandments. Curse broken. Set a third thing. We're freed from this trap. We're freed from this trap. Ezekiel 33, 14 and 15. None of this should make anyone feel trapped or without hope because of their parents' sin. We all have sinners in our family. Most of those sinners have raised us. Okay? Salvation is still unto you. The same truths of this Bible, the same promises of this Bible go to you and are ever before you. doesn't matter who's raised you. Come to belief in the Son. Be drawn by the Father. And Christ's promise is still the same for you or for someone who was brought up in church, I will not turn you away. He doesn't care. He breaks the curse. And we will soon see, because he became the curse for us. That's, that, that was like the mind-blowing experience of this study. Jesus Christ became the curse so that the curse isn't upon us anymore. Pretty cool stuff. Ezekiel 33, it is, it is cool. Uh, none of this had to be, y'all. But this is where we are. This is reality. Uh, Ezekiel 33, 14 and 15 says, But when I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and he turns from his sin and practices justice and righteousness, if a wicked man restores a pledge, pays back what he has taken by robbery, walks by the statutes which ensure life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Curse broken. The blood of Jesus conquers all sin. Do we do we believe that tonight? He didn't conquer some sin. He didn't he didn't save you from some sin and left some sin on you for iniquity. He's conquered everything. Death, hell, the grave, all power, all authorities been given. He's conquered everything. When he said it is finished on the cross, that's what he meant. It's done. Once for all, just as first Peter said. And uh, Acts 10 and 43, it, uh, it bolsters this. He has conquered all sin and judgment for those who believe. It says this, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Period. If you believe, and again, do your, do your word study. That doesn't believe one time. That means continue to believe, to persevere in belief in Christ as Lord to turn from your wicked ways forgiveness is unto you curse lifted curse broken that's to anybody regardless of their background that's the goodness of our God that he's not a respecter of persons that you don't have to be the second generation in your in your house to to uh, that has lived in church to be to be saved and be broke from all of this that you could come from the most wicked family in the world Salvation is still unto you in your household if you turn from your wicked ways. Uh, <clears throat> so, nobody's trapped in anybody's sin. The sin of Travis isn't my sin unless I agree to partake in that sin. Then it becomes my sin. Right? Nobody is trapped in anybody's sin, their own or anyone else's. Are we guilty of our sin? Yes. But there is a way out. There's been made an escape. That's what I'm saying. It's, and it's because of the cross. God has made a way of escape through his son. Through his son. So, the fourth thing. If all of that is true, who do we blame? Right? That, that's where I went in this. Who do we blame? No one who has a child who goes bad or forsakes the way of the righteous should feel as if it is his or her fault. 
Now, let's stop right there. Have you raised that child right? Right? We do have responsibility. But if you have done everything that the Bible tells you to do in raising that child and they still reject, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Now, we also have those places in the Bible that if there's breath, there's still breath, there's hope. Be ever praying for that child. And I shouldn't have to tell you that. We definitely are. Be ever praying for that family member who, although they see you living rightly, and at every time when God gives gives credence and gives an open door, you've, you've talked and you've shared and you've done and they continue to reject, do not, and listen to me, do not feel as if there was something else you could have done. You have done everything right. If you've done the precepts of this Bible and you have raised your kids the way they should go, and even though they know, they still do their sin. That's not your sin. That's theirs. Okay? I can't get any plainer than that. The, the truth of the Bible is this. As much as I want... That's a hard one. It's a very hard oh, one. Yes, ma'am, it is. But as much as I want everybody that I know to be saved, there's people that I know that aren't saved. And, the, and if they don't change their ways, they... Most, and here's the thing, we live in a world, what we're talking about, the, the Bible's been around for multiple generations, okay? The truth hasn't changed. The, the message hasn't changed. Salvation is still the same. Most of these people that I'm talking about, and I see tears in people's eyes, believe me, they're, they're needed. Most of these people, at least in my experience, y'all may have a different experience, they know the truth. They know the truth. They know that Jesus is the only way, but yet they still live a wicked life. If they go into eternity the way they live their life, there's no hope for them. There's, there's no hope. And that's what tears a Christian's heart up, is to know that somebody very important to me just slipped off into eternity. And thank God I don't know their heart. There could have been a split-second change. We can get into all that. I don't know. But if they went in to eternity with sin ever before them, it's not your fault if you've done what the Bible says to do. And that's where our responsibility is. And your kids, are you raising them right? With your family, friends, and strangers that you meet on the street, are you telling them the truth? Are you witnessing? Are you telling them that there's another way? There's another way to live. If you can answer those questions, yes. As hard as it is, we can't beat ourselves up for the rest of our lives. We have to understand and pray for peace. Pray for peace. Because the truth of the Bible is this. For anybody, saved or unsaved, that slip off into eternity, we can do nothing about it. The ones that are left. We can't, it's over. We can't do anything about it. So whatever knowledge we have for them, we need to ask God to help us. To help us in that. And to make sure, this is why our witness is so important, why living our life is so important before God, to make sure that there's no blame. Fair enough? It's what we can do. Does it make it any easier, Miss Edwina? Does it mean that we don't gather around those who have lost loved ones who, who were sinful and pray for them and hug them and, and help them through? But that still is still a truth of the Bible. The curse, they went into eternity with the curse on them. That generational curse from the first man was not broken because of their belief. Because of their belief. Or unbelief. Sorry, we should say it like that. So Ezekiel 18 and 20. <clears throat> the person who sins will die. Here we go again. The son will not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment of the son's iniquity. In the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. Okay. In other words, there is a real responsibility as parents, but there's also a responsibility as children. Okay. As children. That's it. 
That's it. It's a responsibility in the children's hearts just as much as it's a responsibility in the parents' heart. Okay. And uh, we will not be found guilty because of our children's guilt. Just as, and that's hard to that's hard to even say. <laughs> I mean, that is hard to say. I know I've only been a parent for five years, but that's hard to say. I'm sure it'll get harder to say. Uh, I hope Richard Paul's already asking some some fantastic questions. He has absolutely no idea what he's asking, but he's asking good questions. He's seeking. That that gives hope. That gives hope to me as a parent that if I continue to raise him the right way, when he is old, he will not depart. Right. The the guilt of a child isn't put upon the parent, nor is the guilt of the parent put upon the child. God in his sovereignty has chosen, and you can look every time he's made a covenant with man, starting from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, right? Actually it started with Noah. He made a covenant with Noah saying he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna punish creation because of man's guilt. He was gonna punish man. Right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You get to David. David sins, right? Saul sinned, and he was cut off immediately. Immediately. David sinned, and God said, you've sinned, and you've repented. So the covenant with you is, although the sword will never leave your house, and I'm going to take your kid, right? That I'm gonna, you're going to remain the person in the covenant. Right? <clears throat> this means that you can't be paralyzed by the guilt of thinking uh, a phrase like this. I guess my children's problems are all owing to me. There is a time where our children, and I, I know this is, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I will that our children make their own decisions, right? Our family members make their own decisions. I made my own decision being brought up in a house, right? And I'm I'm third generation of having Christian influence in my in my family, okay? My whole family isn't saved, but I, I'm I'm third generation. My great grandparents uh, had will just stay on my dad's side. My, my great-grandma was a Christian. My dad has become to be a Christian. His father is yet to be. There's still breath. There's still hope. I, I am I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm third generation, right? Hopefully fourth generation is coming very, very soon. But if I was the first generation, that option is still there. That option is still there. doesn't matter our upbringing. Does it make it more difficult? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God has to reach real low for some of us in this world. But he does. He does. So, we're released from every curse. Finally, let's look at Galatians 3 and 13. When it comes to the thought of generational curses, okay, we're in New Testament, this side of the cross, today. All right? Christ redeemed us, Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having be become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. We've been relieved of this generational curse through Christ Jesus. Okay? Christ has paid every debt. He's broken every curse. He's fulfilled every law. He's broken every curse. We are set free, 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 free in him. The key is to believe that and act on it. That's what the Bible says. God draws. Christ accepts. We believe. We repent. We turn from that sinful way. And we cleave. Just as we cleave to sin, we cleave to our master, to our Lord. I hate what I loved and I love what I hated. We were a God hater. Now we're a God lover. Right? The blood of Christ covers all curses. Covers all curses. Sin can and will affect a household. We're summarizing now, okay? Sin can and does affect households. Uh, and if gone unchecked, 
it can span generations. It, it really can. Uh, the sinful father will pass down sinful behavior and the children shown a life of sin will be shaped by that iniquity. I thought about this too. Richard Paul is old enough to understand we go to church. Okay? Every Sunday we go to church. Every Tuesday we go to church. He asked me whenever I got home today, hey, are we going to church? If for some reason I told him no, his next question would be why? Because he knows every Sunday and every Tuesday and every Wednesday we go to church. Right? We're doing different things, but we go to church. I have started to instill in him biblical truths that God is important. Right? In just that aspect of long, bringing my children to church on a consistent basis instills into them church is important, God is important. We've made this a part of our life. There must be something to this. The moment I start making decisions that show him another way. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to go that way, right? He's going to go that way. So let's fast forward this. He's lived into his 20s, right? We've went to church his whole life. I've preached to him from the pulpit. I've preached to him from the front seat of the car. I have preached to him in the yard. I have preached. I have shown him the way. And then all of a sudden, church isn't that important to me. Okay? I fall from the pulpit, I fall from grace, whatever you want to say. I just start making decisions that put other things more important than church, more important than God. Now, he's old enough to make his own decisions. He's probably married by now. He may have kids of his own in his 20s. Okay? But what does that do to him? Starts to making questions and things, right? Well, the way I was raised, was that, was that something? You see how this sin can start to affect generations. What is that going to mean to my grandchildren? Right? Where Richard Paul, most of his life, he, all he has to tell his children about the preacher of the church. Right? And now the preacher of the church ain't even in church. What does that tell the grandkids? Well, maybe this thing ain't that important. You see how this can start to affect generation, even within our lifespan. The third and fourth generations, if God tarries, most of us, Brother brother Gene, how many generations are under you right now? Three. There you go. You plus three, so that's four, right? You're seeing the, the fourth generation starting with you. Right? You still have a lot of vitality left. If the Lord tarries, you may see a fifth generation, right? And what you're doing even today what you did yesterday matters. What you did today matters. What you do tomorrow matters. Right? Keep God ever before us. Because even though our children may or may not be in our house anymore, they're still looking at us. They're still looking at us. Now, the older they get, the less responsibility we have. And the older they get, the more responsibility they have. But we still affect generations. We still affect generations. Same way I can affect my grandchildren negatively, okay? They can affect me positively. If they look at me and, and say, what you did was wrong, and, and that's not what the Bible says, and we're going to, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That can look to me like that, and, and the generations that look to them will be affected by that. Mine says, do you go preach to me again? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, our hope tonight is this. It's found in Jesus. You thought it was going to be something different? It's Christ always, right? Ta-da! I told you, but we were going to be slapped in the face. It's, it's Jesus. It's found in Jesus and his work on the cross. Okay? Through him and his work, we have the most blessed promise we have ever found in Scripture. All right? Regardless of upbringing, regardless, y'all turn to John 6, 35 through 40. Regardless of upbringing, regardless of relationships, regardless of circumstances, regardless of opportunities, okay? Either the lack of opportunities or the abundance of opportunities, or what even seems to be a curse. I'm going to read that again. Regardless of upbringing, regardless of relationships, regardless of circumstances, regardless of opportunities, either the lack of opportunities or the abundance of opportunities, 
regardless what even seems to be a curse upon the family, the believer has these verses in John to fall back on. Okay? And that's these right here. John 6, 35 and 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father. He didn't even leave us to question what that will was. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. In other words, your curse will be lifted. Lord, we thank you tonight for the ability to gather and as a corporate body of worshipers reason together, Lord, to talk about hard topics and and to listen to what your Bible says. Lord, help us to uh, fully understand, Lord, the things that we do not, Lord, to bring forth questions in our personal prayer lives, Lord, and seek your word to, to know what you say. Lord, help us to be emboldened to understand that the answers are found in, in your book. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for this. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.